Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. And I'm joined once again by my son, Michelangelo Jaco, who does amazing research into the music industry and some very strange anomalies that have been going on in the music industry like we did in our first show. We brought that out, talked about it in, I wouldn't say detail, but we brought up some very interesting points for you guys to consider and uh, look at. Today, we're going to go a little bit in depth in some of the people that have been involved in some very sketchy deaths, all right? So, Michelangelo, thanks for joining me again. Tell us a little bit about yourself again, and then uh, we'll jump right in. Hi, I'm Michelangelo Jaco, Michael Jaco's son. I'm his biggest fan once again. Yeah, I'm a musician, and uh, last time I was on the show, basically, we laid like a foundation of how the deep state and the CIA are in in the music industry and how they've infiltrated that and mainstream media. And basically, we we laid the foundation for what we're going to talk about on the show today. We're going to talk about two of my favorite rock stars, musicians. I'm wearing a shirt of one of them, Kurt Cobain. I wanted to show this necklace my girlfriend made. It's really cool. Uh, it's, uh, nice job, yeah. Katie. <laughs> yeah, Katie made that. Yeah, you can uh, find her Instagram at Mountain Petals. Instagram Mountain Petals, you can buy uh, her uh, jewelry there. But we're going to talk about Chris Cornell first. We're going to talk about how they kill these rock stars and musicians, basically because they hold so much power and influence, and they're really important souls in the world that they can make this incredible change. So, I, yeah, a question came to me, you know, before our show, it just kind of popped into my mind. I just want to ask you this out of the blue and see what your idea is. We looked at a lot of the music industry anomalies as far as like, you know, a lot of these people seem to suicide themselves, although they're, I wouldn't say junkies, but they use drugs and they understand drugs and they know what's going to kill them and what's not. And they use drugs that basically, or take drugs that would, you know, kill a horse. And yeah. supposedly this was an accidental or suicided death. And then right. we looked at they were getting ready to break with their managers or they were starting to go into basically well, like you were just describing helping humanity instead of doing music that seems to promote certain agendas that the, I think the deep state has. So they're kind of trying to break free from that. So we'll have mm -hmm. like aircraft that crashes, which is a total anomaly, maybe one rock group, maybe in all this time that would not be an, an anomaly, but when you have, probably dozens at this point of rock stars and their groups that have died in aircraft. It draws yeah. a big, huge red flag. So what kind of percentage, this is the question I wanted to ask you, what kind of percentage of rock stars dying and we'll, we'll not just rock stars, but entire music industry, because the entire yeah. music industry is basically corrupted, I think. So what kind of numbers would you say percentage wise? Is it 85%? 25%. What do you think as far as these deaths? How many of them are murders and suicided? And how many of them are actual accidental deaths? I feel like even the like Hollywood as a whole, and including the movie and film industry, you got to kind of include that because it mm -hmm. all ties in together. Mm -hmm. You find all these people suicided, 
I would say almost all of these suicides, I would say 80 to 90% of the suicides are murders by the deep state or just not even deep state, just corrupt billionaires that just see you as a dollar sign instead of a human with a heart. Yeah, sure. And once you make that billionaire status, it's probably maybe a few percentages of those people that I've known, a couple of them actually, that are actually good, legitimate entrepreneurs that you know had a good idea and took it to the top. But a lot of the a lot of the people that are extremely wealthy have a, they've allowed them to be wealthy so that they could use that wealth to promote, like Soros and others, promote negative agendas. So probably a lot of these millionaires that are in the music industry are corrupt, I think. Especially, we're going to talk about David Geffen. I want to name drop him because he's oh, yeah. especially corrupt. Oh, yeah. And uh, very I, was, I was trying, very demonic. He's a pedophile. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And I was trying to decide if I, who exactly I was going to talk about today. I was thinking about, should I just talk about just Kurt Cobain today? But I had Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington lined up. Nick Alvier was on your show earlier today, and I actually used one of his movies that he made as information when I was uh, gathering information. Hmm. So I took that out of the sign. I was like, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about this. I was like, you you didn't even know I was going to do Nick Alvier. Not at all. And I I watched it. Boom, I popped it today and we're doing a show today because he came on the last minute. So that's, oh, cool. that's interesting. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I would love to like talk to him. Maybe oh, you, you guys would get along well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Every, yeah, every, everyone wants to talk to Nick. <laughs> yeah. Everyone that's awake would love to have a conversation with Nick. Let me say that. Absolutely. I can totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> totally see that. All right. Yeah. yeah. You're going to, you're going to share a screen. We're going to like, you know, kind of dive deep in some of this stuff. Kind of like what I was saying before, we we kind of brushed the surface, laid the foundation, and now we're going to like you know start to give everybody a flavor of what a lot of the suicides, suicided, you know what that looks like. I think that's going to like blow some doors open because you have done amazing research, and as you do your research, like you were just describing to me before we started the show, more and more information starts coming to you. Because you're you're down that rabbit hole and it's easier for you to see. And you're actually one of the best researchers I know. Because I'll say, I don't even know how to do this stuff. And you're like, well, let me find that. Oh, I do this. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You, you uh, said it perfectly once. When you want to learn about something, you exhaust all your questions. And like, make sure you learn about this. I have a question about this. Well, I keep researching until that answer, I mean, that question is answered. I don't stop. And then like off of that one question, like 10 more branch off of that. And then I have to answer those. And it's just a never ending thing with some of these rabbit holes. Hmm. It's kind of fun for me, especially because I'm a musician and I've been researching this stuff for many, many, many years, 10 plus years. Yep. And I, I'm absolute, I will show you irrefutable proof that Kirk Cobain was murdered and also Chris Cornell was murdered and all kinds of crazy times that are just, it's just like, wow, that's obvious. It's, you just cannot ignore there's these uh, cases, especially with Kirk Cobain, there's never been a case in my opinion with more red flags 
Like it's wow. just insane. So I want to share the screen. It's going to be fun going through this stuff. I see a lot of people in the comments right now. Um, mm -hmm. When I look down, I'm reading people's comments. Nice. Chris Chester, also John Desta. People are. So we're going to share nice. the screen. Yeah. Very, very informed group. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you're going to like when, when people see how you do, you did your research, they're going to understand how to do it on whatever artist they want to look at. And they're going to yeah. find the same thing. Cause I, when you started showing me some of this stuff, I'm, it just like came to me, some, some other artists back way back when I was a young guy, you know, like you. And I was like, wow, that just doesn't ring true to me that his whole group died in that plane crash like that. And it, it just seems really weird. So I, I did the research and just like you have showed me, I was like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, yep, they, they killed him. They killed him mm -hmm. and his group. It's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Someone's asking, was Tupac killed? He was killed. They also killed Jimi Hendrix. Yep. And someone just asked, this is a question I had too, because someone said, is Eddie Vedder on the wrong side? And I believe he is. I don't think he, maybe he is on purpose, but I'm, I'm not sure entirely. There's literally pictures of him and his kids with like Michelle Obama posing and stuff like mm -hmm. that. That's how close they are with the Obamas. And that's not a good family to be close with. Oh, yeah. He's very, 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 very extremist left wing, which I don't want to get too political. But at the time, a lot of left wing views were I could see why punk rock was on the left wing because it could be seen as. You know, let's just not even go there. So he talks about what's it called? Vaccines all the time. He's like, he's so for the vaccines and I am so against the vaccine. So I'm, I'm noticing all these things about him that is just like totally like he's just been infiltrated or something like he was totally like a, a lot better guy. And he's just so I'm trying to answer all these questions in my mind. But let's uh, let's talk about Chris Cornell right now. Chris Cornell. So they said he was, he died by strangulation and they said that he took, what was it? A couple like Xanax or Ativan. He was slurring his words, was talking to his wife. I'm going to give you the story of what happened prior to his suicide. He's uh, apparently he played one last show in Denver or not Denver. I'm sorry, Chicago. People were no noticing he was slurring his words. He was very lethargic. He, people were noticing on the back of his head, there was like some sort of wound. There was a wound on the back of his head. The last song he played was In My Time of Dying, and he gave some weird speech, and it was just very weird. And then, so he's on this phone call with his wife. He's slurring his words, apparently, or at least that's what she says. And he was acting very weird. And she told the bodyguard to go check on him. And uh, the bodyguard had apparently was in his room an hour ago to help him fix his Apple TV. Apparently, he was in the room with him for a long time, like uh, over an hour. So that's People think that the bodyguard killed him because the bodyguard is tied in with uh, he's a mercenary. Apparently, he was an ex-driver for Epstein and stuff like that. If you dive deep into the bodyguard, you find all these weird things. Mm -hmm. So uh, so they think he had, Chris Cornell died 
Let me check the time here. Uh, Chris Cornell died probably in that hour when the bodyguard was in the room with him. So he left and then the wife said, go check on him. So the wife, the bodyguard went to go check on him. And uh, why did, why did the wife get a feeling that she needed her husband checked on? Because she was in on it. Cause she literally, the first call we'll see the first call she made as soon as she found out Chris Cornell was dead was to the insurance company. And the insurance company had to divulge that. And the first call she made after finding out her husband was dead was like, she was like, hey, is that insurance policy good? My husband's dead. Oh yeah, $15 million. All right, thanks. What? Like, the, why would that be your first call? And she she had talked to like make... that too? Was she like just non-emotional? No, I'm just making that up. I'm not making All right. the call. So just, just so you know, we don't get in trouble. We're going to say, we're looking at these things and there's circumstantial evidence. Right. And like I said, if you could make the assumption that, you know, these people were involved, but that's your assumption. We're just pointing out, you know, certain things. We might make some inferences every now and then to this is kind of the way we are looking at it, but it's all circumstantial. That's the way we look at it. (laughs) But I know we, we, we want to tell the truth and we want to like, you know, blow it out there. Say so, how it is. There's, there's no longer any truth here in America, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. But we can disclose in, in a certain way, which we are doing here. So continue. You're doing good. So I'm just going to say, so apparently he died by, well, the autopsy shows that he died by strangulation, not suicidal hanging. And we'll get into that. But the bodyguard busted down the door, then apparently busted down the bathroom door. And he found Chris on the floor with a bunch of blood for some reason all over the bathroom floor from a hanging. There's just excessive blood. There's a blunt force trauma to the head. And now we're going to look at all these things. I'm going to go into the autopsy report and stuff now that I told you the story of like how he was found and such. All right. So Chris Cornell died by strangulation. He had nine broken ribs, uneven ligature marks, a bleeding head wound and a torn shirt. Suicide ligature marks are always even due to even pressure. So we're going to go into the evidence. I think it's here. Yeah. So basically it says right here, in great detail, it says, says on the right side and posterior aspect of the neck, I'm reading right here, the ligature furrow mark was dry, faint red purple, and had a central area of pallor. On the anterior aspect of the neck, the ligature furrow mark was 11 and a half inches below the top of the head, up to 0.5 centimeters wide, and above the thyroid cartilage. On the left side of the neck, the ligature furrow mark extended posterior and upward and was up to 1.2 centimeters wide. On the right side of the neck, the ligature firm mark extended posterior and upward and was two centimeters wide. On the posterior aspect of the neck, the ligature firm mark curved upward and was eight inches below the top of the head. So eight inches below the top of the head on one side, 11 and a half inches below the top of the head on the other side. So why are the ligature measurements, ligature measurements different on each side? Shouldn't they be equal? That would be because the assailant that attacked Chris was right-handed and bring their stronger arm using their stronger arm to, you know, pull harder. 
that would mean the side of the ligature is going to be pulled higher on that side. Understand? So it shows his bodyguard right here. He's right-handed. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. The apparent wound yeah. that he had in the back of his head and the slurring of the words sounds uh -huh. like these two are already in a scuffle to me. Yeah, apparently he was already in a scuffle. There was like some fake police escorting him before and after the show. That's what was reported. Mm -hmm. I tried to look why there was a wound before. Apparently, maybe a wound happened a couple weeks prior when he got into an altercation with his wife, apparently, supposedly. And then that night before the show, the wound got opened up again when he got roughed up by cops or fake cop. They weren't real police. They were like people pretending to escort him or something like that, apparently. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of sketchy uh, stuff there. Wow. So we'll, we'll see. We'll go into why uh, he had constant surveillance on him. And okay. it has to do with what I was talking about earlier. Let's go right here. Chris Cornell was silenced. Because of pervy wood. I don't know if we can talk about that, but we will. <laughs> Chris, oh, this is very interesting too. Sorry, I'm really scattered because I'm so excited. I have so much information to share. Chris Cornell was murdered on May 17th, 2017, in Detroit, Michigan. Now, this is super interesting. I did not know this until last night, and it just was a huge light bulb because we know that the elites like to play with numbers because they like to think they're God or Satan. Right. And so basically Chris Cornell was murdered on May 17th. Now we go right here. Why, what is the thing with May 17th Lincoln park 50 years ago, the afternoon of May 17th was the anniversary of Lincoln park massacre. Right. So Lincoln park ties in with Chester Bennington. Now Chester Bennington died on Chris Cornell's birthday. See how Lincoln, he died on Lincoln Park the right. day. So, so I'm reading a little bit of that. 13, another another number, children aged 2 to 10 mm -hmm. were put to death. Yep. Wow. Yeah, basically what happened with that, Lincoln Park. So we know Lincoln Park with Chester Bennington, the band, the rock group. They're named after Lincoln Park. This event that happened many years ago where 13 children were put to death because basically, apparently in Canada, the military were running some super secret medical experiments or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's still super under wraps. We don't know what that, those experiments were. Were these indigenous children? Indigenous. I do not think they like were. Uh, Indian? Yeah. I don't think they were. I think they were just, just anyone. Just random children okay it doesn't go too into detail but there was one person that survived yeah she kind of blew this wide open and said that this happened and that's why chester bennington's rock group is named after lincoln park because of the injustices that happens to children and we know supposedly that if you look at chester bennington and what's his name podesta they look almost exactly alike oh yeah yeah that was so wild. What? Yeah, go ahead. So there's speculation that Chester Bennington was basically calling to light this mm -hmm. child sacrifice and pedophilia stuff. Exactly. And they were even doing a movie, right? Exactly. So basically, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, Anthony Bourdain, 
Brad Pitt and Rick Rubin were all going to make this movie. I can't remember what the movie was called. It should be in here somewhere. Um, It's kind of like maybe the movie that you went to go see the screening of that. What's his name made? uh, The dude from the Christ movie. Yeah. Uh, Remember the movie? You went to move. I do I remember, remember but I can't pull up names right that quick. You got to give me more heads up. Sometimes I can, but I'm not. Yeah. I recall, but I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, so they're making this movie to disclose child trafficking and pedophilia that happen all over the world and how it's a billion dollar, like multi-billion dollar a year industry and how Basically, he Chris Cornell actually found this black book of names, or he had, or I think he either found it or he he wrote it, a black book of all these names, including names in Hollywood and the entertainment industry. And another person that had a copy of this book was Chester Bennington. Now, Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington were best friends, and they were making this movie, and then they were snuffed to be silenced because they were going to expose some pretty serious big names we know these billionaires love to protect their assets and mm-hmm. they won't go down without a fight and they'll snuff out everyone in their way it's pretty sad so, so just to catch us back up so i just did quick research that's jim caviezel who did the sound of freedom that's the one with the uh, child trafficking oh yeah um, the mel- i thought it was mel gibson i just had well the- mel gibson did the he's the director Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's like one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yep. That's that's what they were going to do, but it was going to be more of like a documentary, like exposing legit people. And these people are legit. Like they, they don't have any reason to lie or make up some crazy stuff. They're like professionals in their field and have a wide following. They, they would have had been able to wake up enough people and those people would wake up other people. It would have been a chain reaction. So that's why um, they silence small people, medium people, big people. It doesn't matter. They'll just kill anyone. They don't care. So let's get back into the evidence a little more. So the neck pressure applied. Points of the only sexual strangulation. So his eyes had a specific type of bleeding. Yep. Is only displayed by strangulation. He had a, a certain type of, which is hemorrhages in the softer tissue. These minute points of bleeding are called petechia or something like that. And head trauma. Why, why would he have head trauma from a, and nine broken ribs and blood right. all over the ground from a, a, just a suicidal hanging? Yeah. Well, and, this is, this is, this is how someone like me would come in and just go, matter of factly, because I know about fighting. Right. And I, yeah. I would go, there was, there was a struggle here and he was, he was hung. When you look at those marks that you showed on the back of the, the head, those are garrot marks. So basically he was garroted. Oh yeah. And that, and this guy got behind him and, and pulled him and, or got him into a position where he garroted him. And a garrot is basically a strangulation, basically your strength back, oh, back up just a little bit. I don't think this is exactly his. I think this is an example. Oh, it's just an example. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, they're not going to show the actual stuff. Yeah. Uh, but 
if I, if I saw, if I walked in on something like that, I would probably know right away what's going on there. So this, yeah. everybody's asked, probably asking the questions. Here, let me look. How, how do detectives and police and so forth not see this because they're part of it? They're part of part it. Of it. Yeah. And, and you're, you'll show some of that as we go on. Yeah, I will. You had this young lady who's a young boy was going through the system and was being abused, sexually abused. I can't remember. And through the entire everywhere, just in the legal system, in the hospital, Everywhere she went, there was just corruption. Like they were like trying to take her boy away from her. And she, it seemed like she could do nothing to get him back. It, it was just crazy until she, he ended up dying. That's basically how it works. They have corruption on every level from the judicial system to the health system to just everywhere. It's crazy. So what else do I want to share about Chris Cornell? I don't think I have much else. I just wanted to show basically how they can cover, they cover this type of stuff up. It's just an obvious murder. And yet they still say it's a suicide. Um, so why, why would they want to kill him? What, what's, what's the reason for them wanting to extinguish him? Right. So he was going to expose billionaires and he was going to expose child sex trafficking just sex trafficking in general but he actually had i wrote it down somewhere but he had a right here he actually had a charity for helping children that were sexually abused Mm -hmm. and his wife was found siphoning funds funneling assets from the charity and more the first call she made was to the insurance policy after he was dead. The insurance policy by law had to divulge that they were con- contacted at this time as soon as the murder occurred and what it was worth, $15 million. Exactly. So he was he was just big on advocating for children and this sexual trafficking stuff. And uh that's why he was silenced. So Chester he was working Bennington. with he was working with Chester Bennington too, right? Yep, Chester Bennington. Yeah, they're all all working, they were working together to expose this. And if you haven't seen a picture, do you have a picture of Bennington and Podesta? Yeah, I can find it. You can literally just Google that. I've got it right now if you want to let me uh, share the screen. All right, so I'm going to share the screen, and it's right there. Yeah, you just Google it. It'll come right up. Any any one of you guys right now can, like, you know, pull this up. The likeness is over the top. So I think that definitely we saw these guys. It's not going to give me the big picture. But it definitely, like you're like you're pointing out, Michelangelo. It's it's obvious these guys are playing a little game with all of us, and we're we're all like, you know, oh, they committed suicide. Oh, that that one, that oh, plane crash. Oh no, all these musical artists. Oh no, no one really ever questions it. I know so you you have done a good job of doing that, and it kind of because I was like all my life, I was like, yeah, 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 they're. They're all full of, they're all drugs. You know, they do drugs, rock and roll, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, they're all probably getting high in the plane and they like crash. And so of course, of course. And I was like, ah, then you started doing your research. I'm like, oh my God. So yeah. Fantastic. All right. Balls back in your court. (laughs)
No, it just seems like a lot of people, like as time goes on more and more, like all of us are just waking up collectively. Yeah. That's just true. seems like a collective yeah. thing. No doubt. Very good. Very good point. It's, it's so true. Cause, cause the, uh, uh, the chat's blowing up. There's lots of people watching. There's going to be a lot of people watch this. Like the last one, Pro- probably a whole lot more this time because we laid the foundation and a lot of people are really into this. So good job. Oh, and then also Chester Bennington was molested as a boy. Like, and then he never really said who his dad was. He just like ran away from home. You can put two and two together a little bit. Hmm. But now let's uh let's get into Kurt Cobain. I have just so much stuff on him. I have books, I have literal books that I'm reading right now. There's just so many people that are writing about this stuff. This is called Love and Death, because Courtney Love and Death. And who wrote her, that? This is just two guys working together. This is just just two random kind of random people. But the one I read before this was called Love Kills, I think. It was uh Courtney Love's own father wrote an entire Ooh. book on how she murdered Kurt Cobain. Like wow, even own, own dad. Good for the dad. Yeah. Wow. Because you don't see that very often, yep. unless it's like very egregious. Now, <laughs> what what I thought was interesting is I was like, oh, you know, Kirk Cobain, oh, another guy suicided, blah blah blah. It's like, ah, oh, that sucks. You know, he was really a great artist. And then Courtney Love, her star rose, and everybody's like, oh, Courtney Love, it was like Kurt's wife. Let's like let's support her, and so her right. music like start her started started rising. Then. Like you're going to talk about people started to see things start, things started to come out. And I remember she went to, she was getting an award and like tons of people in the crowd said, murder, you murdered Kurt Cobain. And then her star went. At every show there's, there's those people in the crowd and she'll literally assault them and punch them in the face and stuff like that. I've just seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Of course she's possessed. She she really is. She looks scary when you look at her like she's like a demon or something. I don't All know. All right. Well, let's dive into this one. This is good. This is one of the ones that you, this is the ones that turn this is the one that turned me on to this whole thing when you started doing the research and, and, and pointing this out to me. It's good. And you're <laughs> yeah. still finding stuff. Uh, oh, and and also everyone's gonna love this. How about are you gonna bring up this the one guy that did the uh JFK? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for this video to come out. But I mean, you can you can find actually I think I pulled it up somewhere. Let me let me check before I share the screen. Yeah, right here. Dr. Cyril Wecht, he absolutely believes that the the suicide uh, scene was staged. That's what he believes. This guy, he's like 90 years old now and he's he's still sharp as attack like he's like good in his speech he's uh mm-hmm. in his mind he's good in everything there's this documentary i invite everyone to watch it's called that's a great Sp- documentary yeah i, I, I remember we watched it together it, it was cool yeah yeah watched it with you and it, it i asked you certain questions that we'll we'll get into and you're just like oh that's so obvious oh yeah but, um, mm-hmm. so he basically just he did many autopsies on so many stars like 
Marilyn Monroe, JFK, and all this stuff. And he just, he exposes, he's just truthful. He's just is, he says it is how it is. He's just honest and he's not corrupted by anyone. And he's like, he's like the leading expert in forensic pathology, I think it is. Yeah. And he believes that Kirk Cobain was not, it wasn't a suicide. It was a murder. So that's and, and, and uh, also JFK, what, what's coming up on JFK? The thing is going to oh, yeah. be released. Uh, days. Yeah, I can uh, read out. I'll, I'll just say it. Mm-hmm. Basically, when he ordered to do an autopsy on JFK, he found out that JFK's brain was missing. So he couldn't do the autopsy because the brain was just gone. It's like, what? <laughs> that's, that's kind of suspect, right? E- either that was some kind of clone or they actually took that brain out and right. because it, it was going to give up too much information on basically the mm-hmm. secret service guys who sit now. Everyone's like, you know, secret service is not part of the CIA. Actually, they are. And uh, that was one of the things that Trump had to clean up when he came into office. He had to, like, get his own detail. Because the the Secret Service guys through the CIA are unfortunately corrupt. So I'm just losing. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff about JFK. I know you're an expert about all that stuff. Right. We are talking about Mr. Cobain. So we'll go more into that. I don't really know where to start. I just have all my, well, you know, that's, that's interesting though, that he has been called in to do all of those autopsies. Right. It's almost it like you're like this, this guy must be deep state or something, but it's what, what's going on with that. How, how is he? Cause I've asked you about certain stars and you've said, well, they're, they learn how to play the game. Right. They learn how to like work within the system. Kind of like what I did work within the system, find out details, keep those details to themselves. And when the time presented itself, start to disclose. Is he like that? You think this doctor's like that? I honestly, he's, I think he's just a good guy. I think he's just Mm -hmm. doing his own thing. I think he's just doing his own thing. He's like, he's just a leading expert on, on pathology and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Forensics and, such on the sides and deaths and traumatic deaths. Yeah. If he's the leading expert, they like to get his opinion. He's brought in on a lot of these things because they just like his opinion. He teaches in colleges. He has lectures in colleges and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. you can actually, you can schedule a appointment with him and talk to him and call him about your own, whatever. Oh, wow. Uh, He's just really open like that. And very cool. Anyways, so let's talk about Kurt Cobain. I'm going to show you one of the, when I learned this, it just blew me away because I've never heard of this until um, I was visiting uh, my dad in July and out of nowhere, I was just finding, I hadn't really researched Cobain in a while, but all this information just started pouring in. Like I found this one Facebook page is called Kurt Cobain Death Discussion, and you can go down in there and find so much crazy stuff that just will blow you away. It blew me away. So we're going to talk about blood rust, basically blood rust. Well, with his murder weapon or suicide weapon, 20 years later, anywhere that blood touches on a weapon, it will 
blood rust. Basically, where supposedly he held it on this compensator right there at the very end. And you know what's weird? If you look right here, this is an actual picture of his arm. Mm -hmm. And in the autopsy pictures, he's not holding the gun anywhere. It's like he's just like this, which is interesting. So he did not have a cadaveric spasm, which when you are in a traumatic life ending experience, I guess, the muscle groups involved will clench up and stay that way. So when you commit suicide with a gun, if you're holding it like this, this hand will clench up and this hand will clench up into a fist. Mm -hmm. So both of his hands aren't in fists. They're open like this, which indicates that when the weapon was in his hand fired, he was not, he was already dead. He was already passed. And you can see, let let, let me, let me explain that from a fighter's point of view and someone that's seen, seen a lot of, people killed in combat. So what happens is what you're talking about is a adrenal dump. So everybody, everyone can understand what this is. It's like, if you burn your hand on a accidentally burn your hand on the stove or something hot, you'll pull it back instantly. That's basically your instant response. So I've been teaching people for a long time, how to fight. I've been hit in certain areas, like let's say to the groin accidentally a little bit too hard, you know, and what happens is there's adrenal dump in your body. So if you stick, if your hand, if your hand hits a pin, boom, if you get hit really hard, adrenal dump, and it's like everything seizes right. up like that. And the same thing, anyone that's been kicked in the nuts, whether on purpose or accidentally, then you're going to know what I'm talking about. So your body gets that adrenal dump. It's a flight or fight symptom that happens to the human body. It's automatic. It's instantaneous. You don't control it. Your body responds to pain. So what Michelangelo was talking about is a response that happens. So you would not be nice and relaxed like he was. And I think there's some other points like burn marks and stuff you're going to talk about maybe. Yeah. So basically... The blood on the compensator. I think I have better pictures somewhere. Um, let me see. Do that. So there's better pictures here. We can zoom in on this stuff. So this is the actual murder gun. Yeah, this is the actual. 20 years later, they Not showed suicide it. gun. Oh, oh, I mean suicide gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the blood rust. It looks like there's some blood rust right there. I don't know what that's about. But so the blood rust is right there because obviously it was in his mouth. It's not completely around the weapon because his hand was already in like this, stuck like this. So when they fired the gun, it just was like, boom, it heated up. The compensator heats up. It burns your hand. Right. Uh, But his hand was like this. It wasn't closed. And you can see, uh, there's many other views of the gun, that there, it's not a full circle. So the blood rust didn't, because the cadaveric spasm didn't happen when he shot himself. Mm-hmm. You guys understand what I'm saying, so we'll move yeah. on from there. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Jaco. Join me on Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, 
where we'll uncover the hidden parts of our human potential and propel you to new heights of existence and consciousness realms. As a former Navy SEAL for 24 years and CIA security officer for 11, I've been involved in aggressive combat training and operated in combat zones for well over 35 years. From Panama, Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Libya, and Lebanon, I have honed my leadership, tactical, combat skills, and knowledge expertise to a master level. As a little boy, five years old, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL after watching the movie Navy Frogmen. I also looked at the movies and read the books of Ian Fleming, 007, James Bond. I wanted to be that when I grew up. And I was always inspired by entrepreneurs that helped humanity and brought about great change that furthered the consciousness and abilities of humankind to master levels. I always wanted to do that. The first two I did to an extraordinary level. And now today, as an entrepreneur and speaker, reaching millions all over the world, now I'm sharing the information that really propelled me. When I was a chief enlisted officer, I motivated, led, trained, and provided inspiration and insight to officers of all ranks, all the way up to flag level, and even the Secretary of Defense for the United States. With my operational background, planning, master training, and course design abilities, I have trained thousands and thousands of military and law enforcement personnel, and now I inspire and train millions throughout the world with my intuitive insights into the workings of the human mind. I and many listening to this message are living proof that each of us have amazing potentials far beyond what most consider possible. For me, the impossible is what I strive to always master and excel at. And as a Navy SEAL and in the CIA and combat zones, I did the impossible over and over and over again. And now I want to help you do the same. Tune in to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, and join the growing tribe as I show you how to unleash your own hidden potential. So possibly that little burn mark we see is where right. they took his hand and stuck it there. Right, right there. Not, not that it was actually there. So you right. see that see where it's, it's pointing to the burn mark. So when you whenever you fire a, a gun, the barrel heats up from the round traveling through the barrel and also the explosive gases will heat that barrel up as the bullet projectile goes through the gun. So there's even one round, so everybody's like, like, just one round? Yeah, even one round makes that barrel hot, especially a shotgun. Uh, another thing about that I just thought of, so a lot of the time when you shoot a weapon in your mouth, suicide or murder, it'll explode out the back or anywhere in your head will just- Oh, this because, is good, yeah, yeah. Because of gases expanding and your blood pressure. So blood pressure- is only really there when you're alive, right? There's no blood pressure when you're dead. Good point. So his head didn't expand and blow out. There was no mm -hmm. perforating 
explosion out of his head. There was just a little bit of blood leaked out of his ear. There wasn't a huge mess of blood. It was just, it didn't even explode his head. There was no blood pressure in his head, meaning he was already dead Mm -hmm. when the weapon was fired. So the way he was murdered was, or died was he had a heroin overdose that we can actually look at his arm in, in the autopsy pictures. And I know I'm going to look them up, but from the autopsy pictures, there is on the arm, you can see like a specific spot, like just in the middle right here. And there's like no real veins right there, right where I'll show you guys in the autopsy pictures. So it seems to me like it was an intramuscular shot, like it was forced onto him. Like they didn't take the time to put the heroin needle into his vein. They just, it looks bruised and it's stuck into his arm. I'm I'm pretty positive on that. So the other, basically... As a demolition expert, I use sometimes use water. So water will actually make hydrostatic charge. It makes more of, of a response. Basically, if we were doing aircraft takedowns and stuff, we wanted to go, go through a window. We do hydrostatic shot. Basically, with just enough force to burst the window, but it wouldn't go in and, and hurt people within the aircraft. So there's like just perfect little uh, shots like that. But when you use, and you've seen anyone that has been shot and it's from a high caliber round, basically it goes in and it takes all, because we're mostly made up of water, even blood, blood and all that stuff's mostly of water. So it's a hydrostatic, it's almost like a hydrostatic explosion, like I was just telling you about. So when a round, especially at close proximity, goes into the body, it's mm-hmm. going to cause a lot more damage because it's going to have more explosive force. Right. It's not. So it travels through the air for a certain distance. You know, you're going to lose a little bit of that force and it's not up close. So with a hydrostatic shock to the body, like Michael Andrew was just describing, the whole back of his head should have been just blown right away and most of his right. brain with it. So that's, yeah. that's a big, that's a, anyone especially the sheriffs and uh, deputies and stuff, any, any detective, you come into a scene like that and you're like, somebody killed him somewhere else. It should have been right away. You know that. And then it should have been a crime scene, not a suicide. So like we're talking about, and this is one of the biggest ones. When you started pointing out all this stuff and I started to see this stuff, because from my background, my training, I'm like, holy hell, these guys are corrupt that came in there and did this investigation whole investigation like right yeah. from the start like you you would think that they would walk in and be like wait something's really wrong oh here. yeah right. big time from the start but this very same day without even doing the autopsy they released it suicide official report yeah, they already had it they already had it ready just like the jfk killing yeah. murder by the cia so yeah. it's the same thing Mm-hmm. You're going to have everything prepared. You're going to make him look bad. You're going to have people talking bad about him. You're going to destroy his character. You know, so that's the way these things work. Absolutely. Let's. Uh, I would just wanted to touch upon some other things. This uh, show. All right. So what I was talking about 
there isn't a vein right there. And the way that looks, that needle mark is bruised as hell. And it looks like it didn't even have time to heal. So that's just what I was talking about prior a couple minutes ago. Let's look into a couple other things. So, so like the, the layout, he would, the way the gun was situated, it was like anatomically impossible for him to, to kill himself. Let's t- you got you talk about that as well. Yeah, I can talk yeah. about oh, there's so well. much. I mean, you're like, I'm there's like, just wow. I'm like a kid. So, I'm like, tell him about this. Tell him about this. <laughs> so we, we'll look at this right here. This, this is his heroin kit. So basically he did so much heroin to the point where there's only been one case in history that involved that much heroin in a suicide or just in an overdose, I think involving a a murder weapon ever. So he has the highest. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I got it down. He has the highest heroin per milliliter of blood milligram per milliliter of blood in an entire history of suicide involving a gun ever. So he has so much heroin in his system to kill multiple people. So we see here, these needles uh, have the cap back on it. So basically what he would have done was he would have shot up apparently, rolled, took the tourniquet off, rolled his sleeve down, put the cap back on the needle, set it all neatly in his box, pick up the shotgun. So you're already talking about like a minute. And by that time, you would have been dead. You would have been dead or comatose from the heroin injection. What my dad was talking about with the gun, the way it's situated in his hand, it's just anatomically correct for the way he shot himself and the way the expended cartridge from the shell casing is on the wrong side of the room as well. Wow. They can't explain that. So if he had it, like this, the shell should have expended to the right, but it's to the left. And then the way the gun is in his hand prior to death, it's like in a weird way that is just anatomically correct. Like his wrist had to have moved a weird way. It's just, it's just so obvious that it was placed in his hand mm. afterwards. And there's two types of cigarettes, but you'll see just a random fact so I, I, Kirk Cobain's my favorite rock star, and I know way too much facts about him. And he didn't smoke these cigarettes. One of his friends did. And there's two types of cigarettes. Butts here. I used to smoke cigarettes, and that butt is from this cigarette pack. And then there's other white filtered butts, which is from the cigarettes that he smoked. So why is there two types of cigarette butts there? I don't know. It just kind of seems maybe, like maybe, maybe they're trying to get him to uh, sign a suicide note. And he's like, no, <laughs> right. Or, or something. Uh, you know yeah. what it was a weird, I tried to do like a remote viewing cause I was there a month ago. I, I can tell you now I wanted to tell you. So I sat there and I tried to meditate on it. The only thing that came through and I'm so weary of whatever comes in my head when I do this, it's, it's like, what you you say not to just let it come to you how it comes. Mm-hmm. But what I saw was he was already there in the greenhouse for some reason. There was two people and he's like basically saying, please, please, I can give you money or something like that. I'll give you money. And then they just 
killed him, I guess. But that's, that's what I saw him saying, please, please, I'll give you money. Like they were there threatening his life, something like that. So that's what I saw. I don't know if that's exactly what happened. There you go. I also have like dreams of other stuff happening. So I have conflicting things that I've seen myself. So I don't, I don't know exactly, but the greenhouse is not there anymore where he was allegedly suicided. The greenhouse was taken down by Courtney Love's little minion, Callie DeWitt. His own father had a, a construction company and took down the greenhouse, like just took it down. So like, why would you do that? A couple days after his suicide, he was cremated. There's so many stars in the world, like uh, Janis Joplin, and they have her autopsy report out, but we can't see his autopsy report. Like, it's just not out there. But his grandpa apparently had the autopsy report. He passed away a couple of years ago, but he he divulged to Courtney's father that he, in the autopsy report, there was no gunpowder on his hands for some reason. There's no gunpowder on his hands for some reason. Wow. Why? Why was there no, there was no gunpowder on his hands. That just means they like wiped, they just like wiped it down or something like, or he didn't shoot himself or. No, he, he didn't shoot himself. And then they, uh, they, they set the scene. Yeah. So the, these guys, these guys are these guys that they're, did it were really sloppy. Probably, no, I don't think maybe a little sloppy. Obviously they, I think they've done this for deep state and cabal before if like you said he's promising them all kind of money and they're like we we don't we don't piss off the people that we work for we know better you know we we can have all the money in the world and we won't be able to spend it eventually so they you know would would keep going on this sloppy or not leaving smoking cigarette maybe talking to him before they killed him or they're at the scene setting the scene smoking cigarettes that's sloppy yeah but these guys a lot of them know that they're going to be covered, whatever they do. So they just kind of sloppily set the scene like you've been describing. And they know that on the other side of this, the cops, detectives, whoever's involved in this is going to cover this, which, which they did. So we could go deep into that as well. Let's, let's build a scene because some people are asking for it in the, in the chat. Why did they want to kill him? And who do you think was involved? All right. So I totally want to get into that. Real quick, I just had a thought. Uh, when the cops showed up, the lead detective right there, who's extremely corrupt and had to leave uh, Seattle Police Department for a corrupt conspiracy thing that he 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 covered up a case or something. He covered uh, up a case. Like, come on. And yeah. then he, he showed up and he was like, hey, guys, uh, don't work too hard on this case. He, he literally said that. One of the police gave a confidential uh tip that he came in and said that mm. um, yeah so means one of the cops there uh had a funny feeling about it too right but uh what was the question you just oh yeah what, why was he why murdered? did they yeah what was going on why did they want to kill him and kind of build the scene because there's there's unbelievable amounts of information now normally i do like an hour-long show but we'll definitely take this hour and a half so go ahead and build right. uh cool. the, the scene you know, because I don't want you, you don't need to rush. So build the scene up to his death. All right. So basically, he was about to divorce Courtney Love. So he wanted to divorce Courtney Love. 
And funny fact, Courtney Love was in Epstein's logs, by the way, uh, the mm -hmm. logs for the island. Mm -hmm. So she's obviously deep in this. So he, he was very powerful, the biggest musician in the world at the time, the biggest star in the world. He was worth more money dead than alive. He was causing a lot of wealthy people to lose out on money because uh, he basically brought a lot of punk rock, F the man, F the rich, what is it called? Corporations, stuff like that. He brought that into the mainstream and he was causing a lot of wealthy people money because he was like causing like basically like some sort of ego death in the mainstream and people weren't like, you know, uh, focused on, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say right there, but he was just causing a lot of people money. So he was about to leave Geffen records cause he wanted to do his own thing. Now Geffen records, David Geffen, we re recently just reported on him as being a serious pedophile. There's a story of him, basically a country star walked in on him raping a young boy. And then the next, uh, he was like, oh, sorry. And then closed the door. And then the next day came back for a, a meeting. And when the meeting was over, David Geffen pulled him to the side and was like, oh yeah, about yesterday, next time just knock. He just like was very nonchalant about it. Like, so he was involved with all these super wealthy people. Now I'm going to bring. Now, now the reason I'll, I'll give you a little bit more. The reason why he felt that he was safe and just tell him to knock next time is because when these artists see that stuff, sometimes it's on purpose. So then they're responsible. So right. unless they go and talk about it right away, they're now culpable culpable to the scene of a crime. And so they can be, that's often used against them later. It's like, why didn't you report that right away? So right. yeah, you're going to look bad because you didn't. So he didn't report it. And I guess they felt, and they probably, who knows, maybe they were like watching him because David Geffen as as we know, has killed a lot of people. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things loosely based around Kurt Cobain was rotting the system from the inside out. And mm -hmm. he brought up a lot of people to do the same. And like I said, he was causing a lot of people, wealthy people money. And so I'm going to bring up something that you'll never hear anyone bring this up. But I think that he was involved with a, a murder, a setup murder from David Geffen who's extremely demonic. And so this thing that I have set up right here that I'm sharing, why, why was Cobain really mutilated? You never, ever hear about this. This happened. So I'm going to read this stuff. Did the city of Seattle keep the case closed to avoid embarrassment and liability over their medical examiner office employees' horrific crimes? Courtney's rock and roll coroner declared suicide in an hour. Did his underlying underling make sure it stays shut? Corner kid fun, or did Courtney buy insurance policy against investigation? Why sue the funeral home but not the city? So he Cobain, within a couple days of the coroner doing the autopsy, was brought to a funeral home and his body was mutilated, which to me sounds like some demonic sacrificial. What's the word I'm looking for? Ceremony, yeah. 
ceremony. Yeah. So that, as soon as I read this, I was like, oh, it just all made sense. And it all tied everything together for me that he was involved in some sort of disgusting ceremony. Yeah. And they demonic, him yeah. For sure. So uh, some little shit worked at the Seattle's coroner's office. He volunteered to accompany the body to the funeral home. When he got there, he dressed the body and his friends come and videotaped him and his friends, friends dancing with the body among other accusations. And so basically what happened was uh, Courtney love. She had like a AOL thing and she um, used to write on it every night. And she wrote, in 2003 apparently or i think 2003 something like that she was like oh my god they uh did this to kurt's body blah 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 and then the next day she deleted it and tried to hide it but someone back then was smart enough to like capture it when mm -hmm. you know the internet was new but still someone uh caught it among other accusations love stated they cut parts of him and they kept him and someone cut out his heart and they shaved his head and one of the guys carved words into him the word i heard they carved was fag it's just like this dark messed up thing they carved out his heart it's really messed up it sounds like too crazy to be true but it gets more believable because a bunch of suits came in from this funeral home and they had a meeting with that person right there next to Courtney Love's picture is uh, Kurt Cobain's mom. And they gave her $250,000 to keep her quiet about what happened and to not ask what happened at that funeral home. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's really crazy. Like you, you can find all kinds of crazy stuff that has, ha has happened to these rock stars. And it's just yep. like a lot, lot of hush money. If the hush money doesn't work, then there's suicides and yep. accidents. And so a lot of times there'll be, you know, deaths that surround some of these suicides. There was also a Courtney Love's entertainment attorney called the detective on the case. Not the detective. Courtney Love had hired a private investigator to investigate or look for Kurt Cobain when he was missing those last few days. Courtney Love actually read a book. Her father stated that she read a book and one of the best alibis is to get a private investigator or something like that. This book that he owned that he knows Courtney read, it was something about don't get mad, get even. It was like one of those weird books about revenge and stuff and how to get away with crimes. And one of the best ways to get an alibi was to hire a private investigator, which was Tom Grant. And Courtney Love's attorney called Tom Grant and was like, hey, I need to tell you something that you should come over to my house. Courtney Love left something here. And he's like, is that right? What is it? And she's like, I, you really need to see this. And she's like, it looks like a practice sheet that she left in her book bag the same week that he was dead. This was found in her book bag. This is a, a handwriting practice sheet. Remember that there was a suicide note left behind. And where is the suicide note? I had it. I think it's right here. So the suicide note looks like this. So basically, Kurt Cobain wrote in his journal all the time. This is his writing, all of this. And it wasn't a suicide note right here at all. If you read it, it's just him basically saying that he needs to take a break from the band, basically. He's not getting as much pleasure from rock and roll right now. He wants to take another direction. And then right down here, if you compare this 
to this handwriting practice sheet, you can see the handwriting is the same from there to there. So, I mean, that right there is a dead giveaway. Why the hell would she have a practice sheet? And there's a suicide note involved in this case. I mean, it's obvious right there. I'll also talk about 1993 or is it 1992? Get out of here. Okay. In 1992, 1993, May 2nd. So Kirk Cobain apparently overdosed. So there's been multiple attempts on his life. So I'm going to show you there's been multiple attempts on his life. May 2nd, 1993. It says victim. She called the police. And the reason why she called 911 is because Kurt came home. Apparently she claimed he had injected 30 to $40 with the heroin and was overdosing. And during the time he was overdosing, she didn't call 911 until his mom showed up. So his mom came there and she called 911 all of a sudden. Now she calls 911 when the mom shows up. So I think basically she was trying to kill him again. So basically what happened in 1993 was as Cobain's mother and sister watched, Love injected her husband with buprenorphine on top of the heroin. So buprenorphine is like another synthetic opioid, which why the F would you do that? Like you're just uh, aggravating the overdose. So she injects him with buprenorphine, gives him Valium, three Benadryls, stuffs four codeine tablets down his mouth. Like, what are you doing? You're trying to kill him. Like you don't do that to someone overdosing. Through the act of, uh, what is it? Some sort of... We're entitled to Information Act or something like that. Freedom Act of Information. We were able to uh, get this this police report. It says that he was overdosing. And at first when they released this, there was down here, this was all redacted. And someone was able to actually get the real thing. And this is how we found out that Cobain, after he had overdosed, she kept trying to shove drugs into his system. So that's the first attempt on his life. The second attempt on his life was a month before he died. Why did Courtney want to kill him? Because he was the biggest. Someone asked, why did Courtney want to kill him? Well, to her, he was the biggest rock star of the time. And his estate is actually worth more than Elvis Presley's. So she made out with half a billion dollars because now his estate's in her name. So, I mean, he was a gigantic rock star. I mean, like you go into any Walmart and they're selling Nirvana t-shirts, you know, like it's, he's still I see see him all the time here in Florida still. So you're, I think you even told me that, it's uh, and this was a while ago. You said they probably made at least a billion. I would say at this point, probably more than a billion, uh, maybe yeah. close to a billion off off of after after his death. And they would not have made that unless they suicided him because he was going to basically take his take his yeah. ball and go elsewhere. Exactly. So he was involved in Geffen recording, and his recording contract was up. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to sign to an indie label, not a gigantic corporation. I want to do my own thing. I hate being this huge rock star because like, there's people after me and telling me that I need to do this and that, and I'm worth all this money and you guys want me to play ball, but I don't want to play ball. I want to do what I want to do. 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, fine, you're worth m- more dead than alive. And they kill him. He's worth like half a billion dollars. So um, how so many if- how many attempts did Courtney Love make <clears throat> on Kirk Robain? So you just brought up one. There was another one in Paris, I think, right? You told me about? Yeah, it was in uh, Rome. So oh, Rome, it happened. Okay. Who knows? It could have happened so many times. There's, sure. there's multiple of overdoses. But these are my two definite facts, uh, two definite times okay you've got so in rome march 4th basically what happened kirk Cobain, uh slipped into a coma so he slipped into a coma because of everyone knows of the drugs roofies that they tell women to be careful of don't get it slipped into your drink when you're at a bar or something so he overdoses on roofies and champagne mm. so we all know that Roofies get slipped into alcoholic or carbonated beverages to uh, get into someone's system without them knowing. So basically, Kurt wanted to divorce her. The rumor has it that he uh, found out that she was cheating on him. And then basically, she got him to meet up and meet up with so him. the way the way they kind of, i think i remember you telling telling me the story the way they kind of met up and got hooked up it's kind of suspect too and then her background she's really dark into dark stuff demonic yeah. stuff yeah yeah i mean they met up uh in rome and oh, it's just there's a lot of background to this but i'm just going to keep it short and basically he was pissed at her and was like, I want a divorce. And then she was like, Oh, you're just, you're just upset. You've been on tour. You need to get laid. Let's get um some champagne and drink some champagne together and then go to bed together. And so what happened was all of a sudden, the way she tells it was she fell asleep and woke up at four or four thirty, found him on the ground, clutching like a hundred dollar bill or a hundred dollars in his hands and a a suicide note, but the suicide note was never divulged because the suicide note was probably like, I'm going to leave you letter. So found him at four 30, the ambulance or the 911 call was never placed until six 30. So found him in a coma. Why would you leave him there for a couple hours? If he's unconscious and not responding, you know, that's an obvious attempt on his life. And then there's there's a picture, I'm not going to pull it up because I'd have to dig, but it shows her, her in a, in the ambulance with him and she's like got a full face of makeup and she's look all, she looks all dolled up and uh, has a dress on and, and then not the authorities, but the paparazzi came and they took pictures and stuff like that. So she made it a whole big thing. She probably waited until he was dead, did her makeup called the paparazzi to make it a big thing. It's just ridiculous. When that so didn't she, work. She, she thought he was dead. He maybe just coma. barely alive. And then when the was, uh, medics yeah. showed up, they brought him back, huh? They brought him to the hospital. Oh, I wanted to talk about the, that in a second. So well, what happened timeline, was. Yeah, definitely. It's cool. He was in a coma for like a couple of days. And. All they found was champagne and roofies in his system and no heroin. There was no heroin in his system at all. He was clean. He was clean at that time. Yeah. Which is also weird. 
there was heroin in his system when he was found because he had just gotten out of rehab, right? Apparently. I mean, there's just so much speculation with it all. But you can see that there was no heroin in his system in the Rome incident, which is showing that he was clean at the time. So he was, he was, his life was becoming so much better to him because he just had this baby. He had everything to live for. He wasn't just going to kill himself, you know? Right. So he quit the drugs too. So last uh, thing, when I was talking about in May 2nd, when she, when he was overdosing and she gave him the injection of buprenorphine and shoved, shoved a bunch of pills down his throat. The police report was censored. She admitted to drug incur and the drug she used was blacked out. The contents of the censored portion were leaked to PI Tom Grant by an anonymous informant, anonymous informant, Mm -hmm. the identity of the person in the Seattle police department who censored the police report is not known. However, PI Tom Grant believes that detective Terry, one of Courtney's friends censored the police report after Kurt's death. Now detective Terry I don't know if his picture is here, is a police officer. She's a known CI, narc, and Detective Terry, she worked together with Detective Terry. And also, a little off track, the person who did the autopsy, Nicholas Hartshorn, was Courtney Love's ex-boyfriend. So like at every level, everywhere, just like there's just corruption everywhere. Mm. Just so, like, I think David Geffen hooked up with Courtney and was like, yeah, let's make this happen or something like that. Courtney Love, Tom Grant is a private investigator. Courtney Love hired to find her missing husband. Over time, he became convinced that Courtney Love and the male nanny, Michael DeWitt, were involved in a conspiracy to murder Kurt Cobain. So Michael DeWitt and his ex-girlfriend, uh, Jessica Hopper, were the last people to see him alive. Now, Jessica Hopper... A day after seeing Kurt Cobain leave rehab, April 1st, shows up April 2nd at 6 a.m., flies from Los Angeles to Seattle. And you know what's weird about when he left uh, rehab? The, one of This other nanny, I can't remember his name right now. It's like a funny name. This random nanny came to see Kurt in rehab from Courtney's hotel detox in Los Angeles. So they're both in Los Angeles in different rehabs. And he comes and sees him. And I think he must have overheard something crazy was going down. And then this other nanny, not the one Michael DeWitt, this other nanny probably was like, yo, they're trying to kill you. I think you should uh, probably leave. Because the nanny said uh, some crazy stuff that must have spooked Kurt. Because as soon as the nanny came and saw him, he hopped the fence and left rehab. Yeah. Now, this is all like what I'm putting together from my intuition and also Courtney Love's father says says this stuff. He was spooked by something the nanny said. Right before flying to Seattle, he gives this thing. He, he leaves a note, which is an ex-drug dealer. I think they were planning to suicide him by heroin. And he leaves a note for a phone number of the heroin dealer they both knew for Courtney at her hotel, then left. So he took the time Mm. to do that. was like, I know, you know what I mean? Here's the Mm -hmm. phone number for the drugs. You were going to kill me and then tried to run away and hide or find the gun and protect himself at his house in the greenhouse 
where he could see a 360 view. But his friend probably like came up and was like, hey, Kurt. And then like had him at ease. And then someone else came. What was the last thing I was going to say? Oh, Jessica Hopper uh, so he, left the he, house. He, he jumped the fence and then went and bought the shotgun. No, he he had the shotgun prior to going to rehab, the day okay. before going to rehab. The and the before. reason why, yeah, the day before going to rehab. And the reason why he bought it, saying to his best friend, is he's like, I'm in fear for my life. Wow. He literally said that. I'm in fear for my life. There's been murder threats. People are threatening to kill me. And uh, he would hear, listen, this is creepy. He would hear uh, someone would call him and someone would be like, <sighs> and then hang up like the last week of his life. And so he was all paranoid and freaked out and all this kind of, they're just messing yeah, with part, him part they, of part of it. You know what they do. It's a mind, they, mind, yeah. mind fuck game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it's, it's really sad mm-hmm. what they did to him because he's like, like this really good soul sensitive person that would never hurt anyone. Yeah. When, uh, so around the time he was getting ready to leave David Geffen records, yeah. He had uh-huh. planned to do other work that was like, and I, I remember seeing him on, yeah. on the, the MTV Unplugged. That was like beautiful. I mean, he yeah. was like incredibly, so everyone, everyone, no one, if you haven't seen Kirk Cobain oh. and uh, MTV Unplugged, absolutely probably one of the most memorable musician per- performances. The only person sure. that, that came before that was Elvis when he did an Unplugged. So really up there and probably even better than Elvis, I think. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So he's, he's getting ready to break free. He's going to mm-hmm. start, he's going to blow himself up. I mean, he he's so amazingly talented and he's yeah. like just Jimi Hendrix and a lot of other people. He's starting to talk, you know, that, that, that beautiful realm of consciousness and they have to stop with his music and like, just mm-hmm. uh, like, increasing consciousness and just yeah all this stuff that's uh it's just amazing what musicians can do and that's why i want to be a musician because i i feel like i have that within myself one last thing so you gotta gotta make it you gotta make it past the 27 club though first (laughs) oh i mean hey i let's see have just like four more months until i'm 28 so there we go i made it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just kidding. no yeah and that, now you're poking at the machine right now so yeah, yeah let's, no, let's no, hope you make you're it. like oh we gotta get him a book. No, just... lots of prayers for michelangelo <laughs> no. but no but the thing is i talked to a pat like my past life uh regression that i had recently and uh i was like so i think i had to wait until i was after 27 years old to become a musician because I had all these experiences in the past, like with like drugs and whatever. And I had yeah. to get all, get over all that or else yeah. I would have been like a casualty in the music uh, industry as well. Now that I'm like my best form of myself, I can now go forward now that I've made it past the 27 club. I don't know. I just felt like I was yeah. waiting to get, past 27 first well, there, i think there's another another thing that's coming up that's beautiful that you're feeling that and i i think you're i think you're gonna make it i'm praying for you so on the other side of what all the stuff that's going on right now the reason why we can talk like we're talking right now is because there's a collapsing system 
And that mm-hmm. system as it collapses is going to allow other things to come through. So yeah, I think on the other side of this, probably around the time frame you're talking about, you know, after your birthday, there there's definitely going to be the possibility of of creating music and not having to go through this this evil system for success. Right. That's exactly what's happening. Nice. I believe too. This is a nice little brainstorm we had going on. That was those beautiful. Uh, what I had so much information that I just. Oh, uh, you, you could. To we could go on for hours. I mean, as it, you can it, tell, it, yeah. I mean, we for, went for days. Really, I mean, we we have talked about this for days. You know, if we yeah. put it all together, all the all the length of time we we we've talked about this stuff. I never really tire of it because I think it's uh, disclosure is like extremely important right now, and uh, getting as much information as quickly as possible is what everyone's searching for. So you you've done all the legwork. You're basically opening minds like you open mind. And it, this, I think this is going to help a lot of people because there's a lot of stuff that's going to be revealed. If you've already done the work like we're doing right now, it's not going to be such a shock, uh, all the stuff that's going to be coming. Right. Exactly. Very nice. So how can people reach you? I know you have your own YouTube. Yep. Yeah, I have my own YouTube. I have my own Instagram. My YouTube is, uh, I don't really go on my Instagram. You could go to my Instagram if you want. Street Jesus. My YouTube is Michelangelo Jaco. And that's really what I've got going on right now. Yeah, you can reach me there. I had a really great time doing this show because it's important we talk about these things because we can see how the corruption just ties back into every area mm-hmm. of like everywhere, like a- every area of life. Yeah, that's that's really good. I think that uh, you know, as we move forward, uh, that definitely evolves. Everything evolves, and we go to another level with this stuff. So, thanks so much for coming on, Michelangelo, and uh, best of luck with your music. Thank you. you just keep keep it, keep you know putting it out there. Uh, everyone's yep. really enjoying it. I I've always enjoyed it, so it'll be good going forward. Absolutely. And, uh, and lots of love to everyone out there that join us and that will be watching this. Stay in that love vibration. And as we move forward, all the stuff gets revealed and uh, we collapse this evil empire and build a one based on love. Absolutely. Love is the most important vibration in the universe. Nice. Good way to end it. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality.